Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Leave Your Shoes By The Door, and today I'm joined with Lynn Wheeler. Lynn, thanks for being on here. Hi, Andrew. Good to see you. Good I'm to so see happy you. to be here. Absolutely. And a little bit before uh, hit and record, we're talking about concert season coming back. Yay! And so, let's get right into it. So I was thinking about this, is as, as the weather got hotter and we were moving into summer, I'm thinking, what do the seasons mean for a Realtor? Oh um, and the big thing that I'm taking away is just that on the outside looking in is that the, the Realtor lives an unconventional work lifestyle. Okay. You know, things just mean differently to a Realtor. Um, so just give me the seasons of a Realtor, whether we want to be traditional of, you know, winter, spring, summer, <laughs> fall. I forgot the seasons. What are the seasons? Winter, yeah. spring, summer, fall, or is there a different type of season to the Realtors and What's the best one? What's the worst one? What are the priorities of the season? So just take me through a calendar year of the seasons of a Realtor. Uh, I think there's two different ways you can look at it. And that might be the seasons of, you know, just in a year, what you go through as a Realtor because it is so cyclical mm -hmm. and you do go through a similar pattern every year, which could be good or bad depending on how you look at it. And there's also seasons to the career of a realtor, which is really cool. So I always look at it, I always tell people, in a year, there's really four stages or four seasons, and that's first quarter is really, um, you know, systems and efficiency. People are like getting busy to get busy, and they can feel the calls coming, they can feel the business coming any moment. And this is January Yeah, till... like January till March, they're mm -hmm. just getting ready for the year and what's to come. And, and then, then, I'm sorry, and You've listened to the episode. I'm an interrupter. I'm sorry. But I like, like interrupters. What are you fine. getting ready for? What are you doing? Just basically that rush of business. Yeah. Because everybody knows once it comes, you're not going to have time to really focus on anything. Right. But that business and your clients. So, and I think they're excited. There's a little bit of a uh, jinx, I think, in real estate with a lot of realtors where they think, if I get ready for a big storm, then the storm will come. And so preparing like that is a really good thing for them. Do you believe that? I do. Yeah. I used to, when I was selling a lot, I remember I used to, at the beginning of the year, this was back before, you know, computers. I sound like I'm 900 years old. But <laughs> before computers. <laughs> before Not you did internet. everything digitally. Not you just did computers. Just before, you know, all that stuff. Back in walkie-talkie tin can days. So I remember I used to, at the beginning of the year, prep and put, you know, 15 binders out with my listing presentation and it was I'm gonna have 15 listings this year and so I just have them ready and that always seemed to do the trick that I'd not only do that but mm -hmm. more and uh, it just made you feel prepared and ready and um, you know it, it brought good luck to you I and, guess it was kind of a jinx and at that time you, you thought to yourself if I get 15 listings then I've had a successful year like that yeah. was kind of like your your test to a successful sure. year that, that sure. year at that time mm -hmm. and it changes every year and that's sure. kind of you know seasons of your career too mm -hmm. but it was awesome just to kind of prep and be ready going into battle to the busy season because second season in the life of a realtor is client service and life balance and it's really that you are busy you're freaking out you're dropping the ball you know just tons of stuff going on in your world and you have to really try to focus with five, 10 transactions going on at the same time or whatever it might be, showing buyers 20 houses and writing 500 offers for them and only getting one accepted, which right. is kind of what we're going through right now. Uh, you have to be ready and, and keep that balance in your life 
so that you prevent burnout as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the third season is, I always tell people prospecting because you go through that lull or a lot of people do at the end of July to August, September, where people are burnout. They're tired. They have worked their tails off all year. And so they suddenly start to freak out and realize, gosh, I might not have any business anymore if I don't get to it. And they start prospecting. They start calling. There's fear. They start connecting with people. Yeah. And that's when the business tends to rush back for the beginning of the next year. Yeah. Uh, and fourth quarter, I always tell people, is business planning. Just getting your stuff together, dreaming, thinking about what's coming. And that tends to prepare them for that rush of business from the prospecting they just did. Yeah. So that's kind of a year. Yeah. I would say right now we're seeing more than uh, any time in recent history, the seasons of real estate in general over someone's career. When I started in 2005, it was going into a really bad season of the big recession and it was really challenging to be an agent, which I was super thankful for because it made you scrappy and made you kind of be able to work with anything. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the newer people right now, I just preach to them, you're going to be scrappy. You're in an awesome time where you're learning things. Uh, You're learning contracts really well. You're learning how to work through a very challenging time. Yeah. Um, but learning every, how to write an offer. That's oh my for sure. gosh, over yeah. and over again. Yeah. But I think that people, no matter what the season in their career, there's a very predictable sort of uh, transition in real estate where people start off and they're super busy and nervous and concerned, poor, hungry. Yeah, totally. They don't. They don't know if they're going to be successful. They're scared to death. Then they get to this phase where they kind of are, they feel like they know what they're doing and they're pretty excited about it, but they're always nervous it's going to go away at any minute. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to super, super successful agents in this business all the time who sell bazillions of dollars a year and they're still so worried it's going to go away. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the final season where I don't know if people ever think about it, especially when they're starting out. I always call it rich and able. Like you get to a point where you reach this level of success, or a lot of people do, that you get burnt out because you know you can do it. You know that you're successful. You probably are making good money to where it's, do I really need any more? Yeah. Especially if you're not motivated by money. I was never one of those people. Yeah. And so then you think about what keeps you going. So I always tell at least my agents and people who are starting out, Think about it at the beginning. What would keep you going? What would keep you dreaming? What would you do if you were uber successful, kind of peak in the mountain in this business? Yeah. And that way, when it comes, you're excited. You're not burnt out and you can keep going. Well, and so I have so many things to comment. Uh, one thing is I, I love how you said, well, there's there's two different seasons. There's the, the calendar year season of a realtor, and then there's just the season of, a, of the career of the realtor. And so one thing that I thought was really interesting is when you're talking about the career of the realtor, and that first season is preparation. I want to get this many listings. I'm going to have these great listing, pre- all those behind the scenes that when that opportunity comes, boom, I'm prepared and I'm ready to, to take advantage of it. And then you followed that with the next stage of work balance. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're you're turning down opportunities because you're not you're not trying to let it consume you, right? Mm-hmm. So how I mean, how do you feel like you know when you're ready to make that second time? When you're when you're when you're comfortable enough or 
or confident enough to, to turn something down and, and say, you know, I have this going on right now. I'm going to need to not take this on because I can't spread myself too thin or this will just tip. This will right. tip the scales. How do you know? I think that's different for everybody. Sure. I mean, for me, there there's different types of realtors in the world. I was always one of those people that... I have a real hard time saying no to things. Sure. I just want to help everybody and do as much as I possibly can. And there are a lot of people who are like that. I always envied the people who seemed so confident in who they were and what their business was or what they were focusing on in their professional world that they could say no to things mm-hmm. um, and feel really good about it because they only needed a certain level or, um, you know, stage or wherever they were. Yeah. I just always have been one of those people that wants to keep challenging myself no yeah. matter what. Yeah. But I think you get to that point where life smacks you in the face and you have no choice. Yeah. You have to in order to honor your family exactly. and honor your clients and you start, you know, providing lack of service or dropping things that you should have done and if you don't make that change of either turning things down or refocusing your direction to where you're helping other agents become successful or sharing the love and giving some of your business to a team member or people in your office or whoever it might be, your business is going to go away anyway because you're not going to provide the level of service that people have come to expect. Right. So. Yeah, and you were talking about um, even though you're you're successful and everything that you hoped for in that early stage of your season as a realtor – you, you, you become unfulfilled because mm-hmm. you've kind of plateaued and you're not, you're not feeling that, that hunger and that challenge anymore. And, you know, I'm a big rock and roll guy. And, I, and it's always fascinating me when you inter- they interview these bands and these bands have headlined every show they've ever played for the last five years. And it's just they are on top of the mountain. And they interview them and they go, actually, my favorite part of the career is when we would get in a van and right. go to bars and, and we would eat fast food every night and... We, you know, just, right. and, and it's like, that's your favorite part. And it's because like you said, you, you, that challenge of proving yourself and, and, and having that sense of accomplishment. Sure. I, I, I wasn't there and now I'm over here. Right. And when you plateau, there's, there's something not fun about it anymore. It not, not fulfilling anymore. It takes excitement out of it yeah. and the intimacy out of it. Yeah. It's really cool when you have the beginning parts of your career where you not only feel crazy successful when you accomplish something that you haven't done before or you feel like you did it really well but also you have that time to connect with your clients and um you know follow up with them more and do all that really intimate connection in business that makes makes it personable and makes it really fun yeah uh and makes you really feel like you're doing good that it's not just a cycle and you know monotonous kind of thing so when you lose that it's not as exciting at least for people that really thrive off of that connection. Yeah. Like I was, that was always me. So let's talk about you today. Uh, 16 years in? 16 years, yeah. Um, what, what challenges do you like? What, what, challenges, what, what, what challenges excite you? Where, 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 where do you want to be a year from now, five years from now? I think the thing that's been a constant with me as far as challenges is I always have strived off of and really, really loved the opportunity to not only challenge myself by doing things that I've never done and sort of, uh, you know, taking on new crazy opportunities that are exciting and different, but more so even just helping other people see that in themselves Mm -hmm. and then watching them knock it out of the park. Yeah. That's always what motivates me. 
So, you know, a couple years from now, I think any stage in my career, any season in my career, like we talked about, I've always looked at how can I look back and see other people's growth over the past couple of years in addition to myself. Yeah. Not just me. Yeah. Well, because I'm sure when you when you were brand new in, two, mm-hmm. you say 2005? Yep. In 2005, I'm sure you had a mentor or somebody you admired or someone inspired you. And you were probably said, I hope someday I get to be that person and make them feel the way that I feel right now. I Tons hope someday I can I can give back what I've gotten from this relationship. Tons of people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at those people who not only help you on a granular level and kind of hold your hand and make you walk through and understand things and do better and push you. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be that person mm-hmm. too and be able to give back. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I started... One of the people in my office at the time who I just looked at and said, oh my gosh, this is the most professional realtor I've ever seen in my life. And if I could be like that, I would just feel like I had hit the jackpot. And that was Bob Lewis, who, if you know him, if you've been around the industry for a while, he does great amounts of business, but he'd always call and be so courteous and kind and had a file with paperwork to every I dot and T crossed. He just was on top of everything. Sure. And he probably three or four years into my career pulled me aside one day and said, hey, can you watch my business for me? And that was one of the greatest compliments I ever got and still one of the highlights of my career to be able to watch Bob Lewis's business was the most intimidating thing to me and the biggest compliment ever in a million years. I mean, it sounds like he handed you the keys to the It was so cool. Yeah. It was so cool. And I still just... Totally look up to him and think he's an amazing person. That, you think that was just a, a game-changing moment? Just like a watershed moment? My career will not be the same after this moment? To me, it was, okay, all right. Other people are looking at you and seeing that you're doing really quality work, which was a huge compliment, especially at that stage of your career when you're unsure of yourself at three, four years of the business and you know just kind of taking off. It was a big deal. So, Lynn, I need honesty here, all right? <laughs> So, yeah. so say there's a realtor listening to this podcast in their okay. car right now. They're they're still in year one, year two. When will they have a sense of, of rhythm? When do you think that they'll they'll hit that? I think I always see what in my experience kind of makes that happen and it's different for every person when they feel confident and feel maybe less of a sense of rhythm because there's less up and downs, sure. which makes them feel more consistent and safe. When I see that change for people is when they start realizing that they're not a salesperson, they're truly helping people. Mm -hmm. So they feel successful in what they're doing and they feel a real purpose behind it. And what I think makes the difference in that is where people really feel confident that they know what's next in the process and they can explain that to their client in a way that makes them feel confident and safe. Right. So... When people get their stuff together, which tends to be around year two and three for a lot of people, but sometimes it's earlier. I think at the beginning, a lot of people just take off on this rocket ship of real estate and hold on and don't Both really. All in, right? <laughs> they don't really know what they're getting into and they don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So when they have the opportunity to really say, okay, this is going to be something I stick with and they slow down. And they get their stuff together and yeah. really understand the process and make it their own. Yeah. That's where I feel like the whole thing changes. The yeah. whole game. Sales versus service. Oh, yeah, so what different. separates those two philosophies in, in our industry? 
I what, remember... What's the difference between a, someone who, who thinks that they're getting in this to sell, 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 and what's, what's the person who, like you said, has that, that, that almost like spiritual yeah. buy-in? You know, I want to help these people. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in this because I want to put food on the table, but also I want to help this person. I want, sure. I want them, I want to do something positive for them. I think it's, people see right through it. Yeah. And it's been so obvious to me from the beginning and the other people that I've had the pleasure of teach teaching over the years. Uh I think your clients see right through it if you're all about sales. It's being about you rather than being about the person that you're serving. And I was at a conference once and somebody talked about the realtor is a Sherpa. And I thought it was the greatest analogy because they said you can go out and you can climb Mount Everest on your own. Same thing. Any client can go out and buy a house or sell a house on their own but they've never done it before. Or even if they have, they haven't done it in this market. You're they probably, haven't. I mean, if you're going to climb a mountain on your own, you're probably going to get frostbitten. You are. You're going to die of oxygen lack yeah. or something. You need that I mean, Sherpa it's crazy. to keep your... You need the person to yeah. tell you, here's what's coming or here's what works or this is the gear you should use. And that's what we do is we just help people walk through that process so that we can safeguard them from the frostbite or the oxygen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you have that mentality, it's just, it changes. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go back again. Uh, you were talking about, and I love it. I love that you were like seasons and a year and seasons as a realtor. And this is kind of a mix between the two. Because I'm, I'm going to talk about that realtor who's in those early stages again. And when you say that July, that drop-off kind of moment, that's got to be terrifying. Because you, you grind, grind, grind. You finally get some success. And then July happens. And you know how it is, Lynn. I mean, everyone in the room can tell you that's okay. This is just the nature of the beast. But when you go to bed at night, you're thinking, am I, is it ever going to come back? Am I, right. am I, you know, so I guess what do you, if you have an agent who comes to you and says that, what do you tell them? I think everybody goes through that. Every, no matter you what. You think people five years, six years still have Everybody. It? Yeah. I think 30, 40 years in the business, you just always, when things slow down, you have this instinct inside of you where you freak out a little bit and say, oh my gosh, is it going to come back? But I think the people in this industry that have been successful, who have been around a long time, if you ask any of them, they'll say the same thing. It's not rocket science. It's just basics of connecting with people, making sure that they're aware that you are a realtor and you're there to help. And if you have that freak out moment, I would tell people, just start doing the basics. Get on the phone, start taking people out for coffee, start loving on the people around you really make them feel valued and give them information that's valuable. And if you do, it feels like nothing at the time, but two, three months later, oh, I'm swamped again and don't have time to yeah. do all those things. Yeah. So the more you can do that on a regular basis, A, you feel better because you're connecting with those people and that's why we love what we do. Yeah. But B, your business is going to be more consistent too. Yeah, and and when that July moment happens and you can look back and and – sleep better at night knowing that yeah. you made genuine connections and that you didn't just do it for the for the commission check. Right. And you, now that you've been in it long enough, you can tell that agent, because you made that genuine connection, that's going to pay off in dividends next season, season after that, when, you know, little Julie grows up and is going to buy her first totally. home. Her mom All and dad are going to say, you got to go with Lynn. She was great. Right. 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 Um, oh, okay. So, you have been a MyBoard president. You were, you were president how long ago? 2018. 2018. So about three years. You've had three years to not be the MyBoard <laughs> president. So give, what's, it, what's it like to be the, the president of MyBoard for you? Oh, my gosh. I would tell anybody listening, if you have the opportunity to serve on any level, 
in this industry, but especially with MyBor, do it. And um, I mean, I started at the division level and just somebody dragged me to a meeting my first year in the business and said, here, come check this out. And then somebody swindled me into getting on a committee or serving there. And uh, it just, from the very beginning, I think the cool thing about my board and service from that division level up to the presidency and beyond is you get 9 million times more back from it than you put in. Yeah. And president is just such a cool experience because not only do you get to see uh, the amazing people in our association and how much they put into working as a team. We are in the weirdest industry in the world. That I know. Competitors and- have to work together to make sure that we all are successful. Yeah. And the people here get that. It works. Yeah, it I know. really does. Yeah. And it's so weird, uh, but I'm so thankful for it because I can't operate in a bubble. And I have learned more from the people outside of the company that I worked for or, um, you know, the group that I hung out with or whatever it was, getting outside of that bubble and meeting new people and hearing what's made them successful is the most amazing thing about where we work and what we do. Mm-hmm. And you get that opportunity yeah. at my board and with service on such a huge level on every single experience level. Yeah. Um, one of the things I loved about my presidency was being able to see the growth in the leaders at the division level and the board level uh, to give back in serving as real moderator and traveling and learning all these awesome things. I don't think people understand how much work my board and the people who put volunteer hours into my board really put in to make sure that they operate at the highest level. I mean, it's all about being the best and providing the best service to our members. We're super, super, super lucky. And they're all driven by passion. All of them. And just wanting to be involved. That's All it. I mean, of that's, them. That's truly the motivator. And it's right. just a, such a beautiful thing. Right. And it's successful year after year after year. It's incredible. It's really cool. And also, I'm sure, and I'm sure you probably have even a better perspective of it than me, just the scope of MyBoar. Mm-hmm. Just what, how many things MyBoar has their hands in and how many things we invest in the, the things that long-term investments. Like, I remember I, I was talking to uh, Lacey and... Uh, the government affairs department invested in a, a indie music, some mm-hmm. sort of scene that that helps artists and, and attracts and retains artists, so that mm-hmm. you know we have a stronger culture, right? Which strengthens the community. Which you know it, it's it's like this long term thing, and it's like that's so amazing. Like I, I lo- like there's so many things that my board does that you you're just so excited to get behind. You know, you don't like, even yeah. think about it. I yeah. mean, the red lines driving down the street. Mm-hmm. My board had a big part in that, mm-hmm. and. So many examples like that. I remember the tube factory was one that came Mm -hmm. and talked to uh, our real class when we were going through that. And they, you know, shared this story of how they were this little grungy, (laughs) you know, operation of art and community in Lafayette Square Mall. And that my board helped them with uh, different grants and different um, outreach and promotion. And then they literally changed a whole neighborhood by bringing art and um, music and community and all those things to this area on the Near East Side. And now, I mean, there's just unbelievable houses going up there and all sorts of great attractions. And you hear stories like that all the time, over and over and over again. It's pretty cool. 
All right, everyone, we're gonna take a quick break to hear from the MyBoar Updates. Hello, everyone, I am Jamie Barb, and welcome to the MyBoar Update. You have passion and expertise that could help MyBoar empower members and strengthen the marketplace in Central Indiana. MyBoar needs the time, dedication, and insight of members like you to serve on our committees, task forces, work groups, divisions, and forums. Serving on a MyBoar committee is a great way to become more involved in the organization and help move our industry forward. And it is a great lead-in for those interested in a future leadership role. This year, we are introducing two new committees, the MyBoar DEI Committee and the MyBoar Risk Reduction Committee. For more information on all our committees and to apply, visit www.myboard.com forward slash committees. All committee applications are due October 15th. Appointments will be announced in late December. It's time to elect new leaders at your association. This October, the elections will occur for three spots on MyBoard's board of directors. Visit myboard.com forward slash elections to learn more and get to know your candidates. The winners will serve a three-year term. Ballots will be emailed to those who are eligible to vote between October 1st and October 7th. Are you committed to being a top professional? Are you ready to invest in your biggest asset yourself? Then MyBoard's Master Professional Program, MPRO, is your next step. MPRO was created to equip our members with the knowledge and experience in key aspects of the real estate industry, helping you to become an exceptional realtor. Our last MPRO Bootcamp for 2021 will be October 11th through 14th. Don't miss this opportunity. Visit myboard.com forward slash MPRO to find more details and register for the program. Are you confused as to why appraisers use adjustments and how they determine them? Do you want to know if there are ways to determine if an adjustment amount is reasonable? Are you wondering how you can use this information in your real estate business? These questions and others will be answered when you join us Monday, September 27th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. for Supporting Appraiser Adjustments, Understanding the Hows, Whats, and Whys. For more information on this and other technology trainings, visit myboard.com forward slash tech trainings. Join us September 17th for the At Home with Diversity course. This course is a seven hour class that addresses the topics of diversity, fair housing, and business planning development. Visit myboard.com for more information and to register. The MyBoard Realtor Foundation Golf Founding is set for Thursday, September 16th at Eagle Creek Golf Club and presented by Wheaton Moving and Storage. Get your foursome together and get ready for a beach party. Foursomes are 500 and individual players are 125. You don't want to miss this fun event. Registration is open at www.realtorfoundation.org forward slash golf. Join us the first week of October for the Realtor Week of Service. Volunteer opportunities will be available throughout the week with various MyBoard divisions. Volunteers will receive a free Realtor Week of Service t-shirt. Register online at www.realtorfoundation.org. That's all today for your MyBoard update. And now back to our interview with Lynn Wheeler. Uh, all right. I'm excited to talk about your biography. Uh, I, I know you and I, well, and I also want to say my little personal tidbit with Lynn Willard. I mean, there's a million things, but one thing that you said, and I, you must have said it years ago, but I think about it at least every other week, is be a tourist in your own city. You said it. Yeah. And I'm not kidding you, Lynn. I think about that all, I thought about it earlier this week. I was at a Boone Division meeting. And before the meeting started, everybody was talking about things you can do in Indiana. So people were talking about the dunes, they were talking about Shades Park, and just all these assets that we have in Indiana. And I thought about what you said. 
Yeah. You know, I and then I think, you know, yeah, I could go to Myrtle Beach and eat at Bubba Gump, you know, <laughs> like that'll be a cool experience. But you have that, that uh, you can say that you kept your, your money in state, you know, right. you invested back into your community and, and you helped strengthen the economy of your, of your home. You sure. know, you're not going out. And I always try to think, what would a tourist do? And then I, I, I really do. I try to look at what indie tourism is trying to get people to attract to the city. And it's just like I've lived here my whole life, and I've never done that. And it's the coolest city. It is. We have so much to do. You could be a tourist every weekend every and weekend. still have a bazillion things to learn or see or do. Mm-hmm. Not just in Indianapolis, but all the outlying cool little towns and communities. I mean, I've loved that. I'm kind of a um, big city person is the way people would probably describe me, but I love like the small town, cool little niche thing with one restaurant on a corner that yeah. you can go check yeah. out but mm-hmm. there's the world is our oyster we have a million things here we do yeah, yeah. it's fun all right so take me back to to your story lynn are you from indiana are you nope. from here i Ooh. am from cincinnati okay my family my husband we were all born and raised in cincinnati i had a small little jaunt to toronto uh as part of my life and my dad got transferred there so grade one through five I was in Toronto, but... Any um, takeaways from the Canadian lifestyle? Uh, you, I get made fun of constantly because I have a little bit of an accent still. You say like a boot and sur- <laughs> Surrey? Yeah. Surrey? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, but super nice people. One of the greatest cheeseburgers I've ever had in my life there Ooh. that I love and crave all the time, but I haven't been back in a really long time. And um, t- Toronto's like French Canada, right? There's like... American? No, there's not. Okay, sorry. It's See, not. Yeah. You take French. Like, I took French every single day for five years. Is It's required in the country. But, I, I mean, I took French for 20 years. I couldn't order a sandwich in Brussels <laughs> sure, when I sure, went there. So, sure. But uh, everybody's just so nice. It's the coolest country. It was really cool to pick up and move somewhere totally different. Totally. Where there's just weird stuff, milks in bags. And, you know, you take French every day and... Uh, you know, just little stuff that's so different. Everybody walks to school, just odd. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it it definitely helped me as I came back, just gave some culture, which I always appreciated and Absolutely. loved traveling, Yeah, going to different countries and doing things like that. But, yeah. yeah, grew up in Cincinnati, born and raised there. And uh, my husband and I met at Kings Island. That's awesome. Yeah. What a, what a Midwestern way to meet somebody. I love it. Was it was pretty entertaining. Yeah. I went to work there when I was 16 at the water park as a lifeguard. And he interviewed to be a character, which anyone who knows my husband will laugh at because he's a pretty huge guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they immediately told him, no, you won't fit in that suit. Turn around. Go be a lifeguard. And so we connected there and dated all through high school and college. And he went to... University of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to go to college two years later, I typed in Indiana Universities into that computer that had just been invented. Sure, sure, sure. About. <laughs> and uh, IU came up mm-hmm. and it looked amazing. Not a lot of people from Ohio went to schools here. And I liked that venture. Sure. So went to IU and that brought us here to Indy. You seem to thrive off uncertainty. You know what I mean? Well, you've been in this industry for 16 years, and we just finished talking about how you 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 never know when it's all going to end, and you got to always. Sure. And and I mean, you know, this this podcast really is just trying to figure out who the realtor is, and that is a major left right turn right situation for most humans. Is when I get the job, you know, I graduate college, whatever, whenever it's time to get my adult job. 
most people are looking for the steady income, the mm -hmm. steady benefits, you know, just that. Mm -hmm. The realtor does not seek those things, you know? And it feels like that's since day one. I mean, you were supposed to be an Ohio State Buckeye, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> I, I, I just assume that's where everyone in Ohio goes because that's all they seem to talk about. Yeah. But where were, like, would you have been a Cincinnati uh, Bearcat? Uh, my entire family went to Miami University. Oh, sure. In Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that was kind of the thing is I'm a closet introvert. Most people would never assume that or know that because I, you know, definitely socialize and get around, talk to everybody and want to know as many people as I can. Yeah. But I think the difference is I like that intimate relationship more so than a big old group. Yeah. And so when I was leaving high school, it was really important to me to kind of have that new intimate experience, something different, and not go with the same people that I had always been with. And, and, and like metaphorically, that's yeah. it. Yeah. The, the, the herd went that way and you went the road less traveled. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which is so funny to me that you say that because I am the biggest planner <laughs> ever. So to be, you know, seat in my pants is not something that I'm comfortable with. Sure. But I guess you're right. I have kind of done that. Um, so yeah, I, I went off and it, it just was an awesome experience. Miami is a great school. Love it. Mm -hmm. My dad would want me to say that, but, uh, it just was really cool to go somewhere different and sure. meet new people. Um, can we talk about the vortex? Are you a big Kings Island yeah. person? Can we talk yes. about that? How yes. sad it is that they bulldozed the vortex? So we actually went, we took our kids the day oh. that they did the final ride for the vortex. Uh. I got goosebumps. I it literally was I love cool. It. Yeah. And it was cool to take my kids. They loved it. We all rode. Um, I will tell you, like, working at Kings Island for seven years. I worked there wow. for seven years. I managed the water park. One of the greatest tools as far as lessons I have had in my professional career ever. Because if you can go to Kings Island and talk to people who, you know, may think that wearing jean shorts on a water slide is totally acceptable <laughs> and they don't have to follow any rules. You can you. handle that. You can handle anything. Um, but we used to go at night and ride the rides oh. with no lines, yeah. no people yeah. over and over and over again. I mean, you haven't lived unless you've ridden the beast at night yep. or the vortex or one of those rides. So to go back after the fact, we always joke that you should have a lifetime membership to Kings Island if you work there a certain number of years. Yeah, totally. But uh, it was really cool to be there on the last day. That was a good, good ride. I'm kind of bummed they took it down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was so important to, like, because my childhood was marked by, like, when, when, when will I be tall enough to ride the Vortex? You know, like, that was a big totally. deal for my family and I. I could finally ride with them probably half the people listening have their name signed on mm -hmm. the wood there at some point mm -hmm. or a piece of gum stuck to the side of it or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. it was an awesome ride super oh. fun well you're gonna regret telling me you worked at king's island because <laughs> king's island is such an important part of growing up for me and yeah. yeah like you said i'm sure it's an important part of so many people growing up in me this too area. Yeah. yeah it was awesome um did you ever ride the is it called the nasty plunge is it, I, that's what my dad called the nesty it? plunge. The nesty plunge. Yeah, Did we called it that? seventy. Okay. So I actually had a crazy experience on that. I was guarding seventy, and a little girl went down it. And you know, we always preach to people as employees there: cross your arms, cross your legs, and nobody ever does it. We would see people all the time come up to the top of the slide and take a running jump. Oh, you're kidding! And me. literally just leap out, which scared me to death. But somebody would do it every year. And this little girl went down once and she came down to the bottom and she said, I'm bleeding. And she was around a certain age. So I just assumed there was a reason for that and sure. took her to the EMT um, first aid office because she couldn't find her mom. 
And they came back to me later and she actually tore her hepatic artery when she went down the slide because she didn't cross her legs. So I'm scared of that slide still to this day. Yeah. But it was really, really cool to guard that and stand up at the top and see the whole city and kind of get the whole gamut. I, I, I still haven't ridden it. I'm too scared. Well, cross your legs. Next you time I... Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, my big brother, you know, big brothers, he, he said if you don't cross your legs, you would fly out. Yeah. You would fly off. So, I mean, I that was always That's so the ones deeply. with the bumps. You see the people go up in the air and there were a million times that I really thought somebody was going off the Just edge off. any second. Today's the day. Yeah. Never happened in seven years, though. Okay, so you've made the incredible decision to become a, an IU Hoosier. <laughs> yeah. First off, what did you major in? Uh, I was a art education major. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, graduated? Graduated. Then what? Well, I it was funny because my senior year, I was one of those people that I when I went to college, I just assumed I'm really good at art, that's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. So, sure. I started as a painting major and soon realized I'd have to go to college for seven years and to be a professor or something. What are you going to do with that? Sure, sure. And so I changed that and I actually just walking around the place that I lived said to people, what should I do? And they said, you're really, really good at teaching and helping people. You should be a teacher. And so I went into art education and my senior year I realized, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And so I tried to change my major to business my senior year and that wasn't going to happen and graduating on time. So I went in Became a teacher. I taught in Brownsburg for two years. I didn't know that. Seventh and eighth grade. Cool. It was fun. That age was awesome Mm because I was one of the probably worst seventh and eighth graders (laughs) and did all the tricks. So it was fun to try to, you know, catch them and what they were doing or help them Mm -hmm. because I think that's a weird age where people want to be adults but aren't necessarily treated that way so and that totally ties into that desire that we we mentioned earlier where you get to be the mentor you were once the kid sitting at the desk and you probably had a teacher you really liked or you know someone who really taught you things and really challenged you and now you get to be that person and how rewarding that is one of the people that i'm close with told me once that i have a knack for seeing what people are really good at Mm -hmm. or seeing what makes them special And I've always loved that quote of never let a compliment go unsaid. And I think that's one of the things with teaching that I always loved is the kids that I seem to connect with were always kind of the trouble kids or the kids that people had kind of warded off. And so always trying to look at each individual and say, what's going to make them special? and What are they good at? And helping them through it. So loved the experience, loved teaching. It was super great, but I knew early on, it was just too consistent. There wasn't enough challenge in it as far as year to year. And you could never leave the building, which drove me nuts because I had no windows. So I uh, had a friend who was a realtor on a real real estate team here. And I found myself still obsessed with the house hunting process a couple years later. So I looked into it, went to a career seminar, left crying, was like, how do you leave the most stable job ever? Yeah. And then go into this crazy, you know, roller coaster of an industry. My husband and I were newly married. You know, we had no money. It was, it, it's all the stuff that everybody goes through. Sure. It's never easy to transition into this. But uh, one May, I actually got my license a year before I started and was in referral for a year and just prepared, had my kids helping me make business cards at school and all the kind of stuff that we were doing to get ready. And uh, in May, went into real estate, did not tell my school I was leaving so that I'd get my paycheck all summer. 
<laughs> they don't need to know that. And I had three months. It was, you know, it really yeah. was. You've got three months. You've got to decide whether or not you can do this and mm-hmm. see if you're going to be successful. And thankfully, it worked out. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, teaching might not have fit for you for the, for the long term, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you picked up so many social tools and just things that would strengthen you to make that next step to being a realtor, being a, a teacher. Yeah, You know, definitely. just inspiring people, being able to read people. Being able to, like, how do, how do I engage this stranger? How do we I, how do I? We talked about earlier, it's service. It is, yeah. So it really is teaching without the spitballs. I mean, yeah. you're just helping people through a process to understand it, make them feel confident in it, make them feel good about it. And then, you know, you get to the end. So it it's so funny because I was looking back with lifeguarding and um, managing a team at the water park and then teaching and that whole process and working in real estate with clients and then now what I'm doing in you know mentoring and managing an office and people and offices it's the same thing it's really granular the same thing it's just really getting to know that person on a one-to-one basis helping them feel confident and secure and then getting them through something. I mean, you're being that Sherpa. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so do you have any tips or tricks or exercises? If, if I was, you and I are first time meeting, you know, I'm, I'm a potential client. Is there just some, some questions you can ask that really, you know, tell stories, you know, a lot more like you could ask me a basic question that feels basic to me, but it tells you a lot about me. I think it's taking the time to do exactly what you just said. Sit down with people. So often people just jump in the car with people right now and go out and get to the nitty gritty and showing them houses. I was just yelling at an agent today, you've got to take that time and sit down with people. Real estate is the scariest process and the biggest investment anybody's ever going to make in their life. And if I was going to go into that battle, I'd want you to tell me what's going to happen to me and how what I need to expect. So sit down and have a 30-minute conversation with people. Get to know them face-to-face one-on-one, really understand their goals and what they want. So I ask you, and you know, Andrew, what do you really want out of this? What's going to be deal breakers to this process? Right. Um, I love seeing it visually too, because once you say something to someone and you get an idea of what they want in a house or the buying or selling process, and then you show them homes that meet what they're saying, I always try to look at what they actually are liking or favoriting because sometimes it's totally different than mm-hmm. what they've said. Yeah, right. Um, people always say buyers are liars or things like that. I've always hated that because I really feel like no one's a liar. You're just not asking the right questions. You really need, that's our job, to think of things before they do and really try to hone in on what they like and what they want this process to look like. So can you think of a, a specific example of, you know, you, you met with the client and they told you everything they wanted but you were able to to really capture their character and capture their values and things like that, and you might you showed you you showed them a house that it had the criteria, but it also had a different amenity that you could safely conclude that they would like this. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I didn't even tell you I wanted a fireplace, but yeah, I really like fireplaces. Can we can we make that a thing now? We, now can we see something with a big fireplace in the mm-hmm. living room? Just something that you were able to instinctively go he. You're not saying it, but I know that you would love to have a, a <laughs> you probably want a really big backyard. And you, you didn't mention that part or something like that. I think and one of the they're, questions they're, that people forget to ask sometimes is tell me about the house you grew up in. Because a lot of times yeah. people make that decision based on where they've been from. 
So I had one person that kept telling me I want, um, you know, a really unique house. I want to put our own stamp on it. I want to, she was an interior designer and he had come from an old house growing up. So he kept saying, I want an old house. She was adamant. I wanted nothing with a lot of projects. I wanted it all, you know, done and I can just design from there. Totally. But I ended up learning both of them were born in mid-century moderns. And so she wanted it done, but she wanted that style and he did too. And so it's one of those things that if you ask that question and kind of see where people come from, you get a better idea of their style. And although they were leaning towards a newer house that they didn't have to do a lot of projects to, when you show them a mid-century and it feels familiar and homey and just exactly what they want. Yeah, it hits them at that level of intimacy. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how I feel standing in this house right now. I can't even describe it. It's home. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about that. Uh, you're a realtor. You're you're doing the grinding. You're you're preparing. You're 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 setting these these um, you know limits of I, I will be successful if I if I fulfill 15 listings. Those types of things. What was that moment that you you got that confirmation that I I can be a successful realtor. I I might be able to be doing this 16 years from now. Did you have a moment that really you're driving home and you called your husband and said I we're good. I had a I moment, but it had nothing to do with me. Um, and that tends to be how I see success in this business. It, it's never to do with me. It has to do with the people around me that make me feel that way or, um, my ability to make other people feel that way. So I still remember I had had a down year. So it was really funny that this came out of that. But, um, my manager at the time who was an amazing mentor, but he was, uh, absolutely, no sugarcoating. <laughs> and he came into my office and I had just had a baby. I had just bought a house. I mean, it was a, a stressful lot. year. And he said, I noticed you're down. Just wanted to reach out to you and ask you how you're doing. And he left and I was so mad that he did that. And I was really ticked off. But it really motivated me. And I got to that point where I said, I'm going to show him. And I put together a whole system of all right, let's get my stuff together. Like I said earlier, I'm going to really put this to a place where I'm a professional. I'm doing this the right way. And I put that system together, hit it out of the park that next year. My business grew, I think, two, three million bucks that next year. But when I felt successful from that was not when I had that increase in business. It was when I started teaching that to the people in my office and the people that I was around as coworkers and saw them being successful with it. That was the biggest thing to me. And that's when you found your home. Yeah. Your 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 home in this industry, right? Totally. Yeah. I remember my husband saying to me, what is wrong with you? That made you successful. That's something that's your secret, your thing, your secret sauce, whatever. Why are you sharing that with people? But I really have seen that over and over again from so many people in this industry. When you share when you put it out there, when you help other people, you become more confident. Yeah. And those people become more successful and easy to work with. And then it's just, it's a win for everybody. Yeah. So going back to, and I love, I love that, that icebreaker, that early stage question of describe the home you grew up in. I mean, that's, that would really get deep as to what they're looking for, that they wouldn't even know what they're looking for. And I think that's where you hit that home run. Mm -hmm. So I would say we're, describe the house and you say I grew up in Cincinnati. So then I would immediately make sure that you lived within driving distance of a Skyline Chili, right? Duh. <laughs> Get Have your, to. your four or five way or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, 
So, and I also wanted to go back to that, that guy who came in, that, that boss who came in and said, uh, Hey, Lynn, I see that you're down. Do you think he knew what he was doing? Do you think yeah. he said, I'm going to go light a fire under her? And he knew you think exactly he knew your personality? what he was doing. Yeah, and like, he, I'm going to go play bad guy for one second, but I know it's for the greater good. He was that ninja where he, uh, he would, you'd ask him a question and it was frustrating because he would never necessarily give you an answer. He was kind of like a Zen master. He'd just give back this answer that made absolutely no sense, but would make you think and you'd leave all frustrated and go, damn it, what, what is he doing? Right. And then later, oh, okay, fine. So he was always, always will be the most amazing mentor because of that. And definitely he knew that he would make me mad and that would get me going. <laughs> and so, well, and I'm guessing your leadership style is you could be standing in front of three agents, but you would probably say three different things to totally. each agent to, to kind of mirror their personality and, and kind of engage them in their unique way. Totally. Which is, that's teaching, right? It's how yeah. can I convince this this student this idea that I'm trying to teach them. I'm showing it on the board, but I can tell that she's not digesting it like everyone else. Mm -hmm. So how do I engage her in that way that's going to appeal to her? And here you are doing it just in a different industry, really. Totally. I, yeah. re I remember teaching there were learning styles and you had to, you know, show how you would teach to all of those learning styles and whatever big lesson you were doing. But honestly, with art, that was a good lesson because it's so personal. So personal. And with this, in real estate, each person's different. Mm. And each person is going to be successful in a different way. So I think the leaders that have had an impact on me and the leaders that are really impactful in this industry are the ones who don't act as leaders. You are authentic. You break yourself down. You break others down into the point where you get to know them and what makes them special and what motivates them and what makes them tick and why they're fun and exciting and good to work with. And you help them show that to the people that they want as clients and to work with. And then everybody's successful. So do you think most realtors are kind of like you where like, don't tell me I can't be successful kind of thing that, that push pull kind of relationship. <laughs> some, yeah. some that would totally break them down. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. some I people would say she just confirmed my greatest. She paranoia. told me to quit. Here's my license. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I was just, I'm, I'm hanging by a thread right. here and she just walked in and just informed me on the thing. I don't want to. That's why it yeah. has to be so personal. I mean, mm. Ed knew I was competitive and he knew that would drive me bonkers. Yeah. So it was a great, I hated him for it at the moment, but it was a great approach and it was a big turning point for well, me. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer that a realtor was born a realtor and their whole life has kind of been culminating to a realtor. They just don't know it until that day happens. And I think with you that the cards were starting to show because I, I know you might think I'm stretching here, but I really do believe when you're talking about art, art is like a fingerprint. I mean, it, it cannot be more unique. I mean, it's fun. It's almost funny to me that in an American public school, you have art class next to like math, right? You yeah. know, where it's like quantifiable black and white to anything can go. Sure. And they're next door to each other. But I kind of feel like that passion for art and what that means, it's a lot like a home. It's, yeah. it's, it's a mirror of your personality. Totally. And I think that that was, that, that was a, you know, a light switch turned on for you when you were 18 deciding your major and you were probably like art education. How did I come up with that? Or, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> insecurities you had about that but then you were able to take that that passion and that toolkit and just apply it to a, a different industry i think you're getting the same fulfillment in this industry that you would in that i really yeah. do yeah i see that i mean every every 
uh, home, every client, every agent, every co-agent, every deal has a different beauty about it, kind of like art. And you have to appreciate each different scenario. I think the people that don't make it in this business and the people that get so frustrated and burn out are the ones that want it to run in a repetitive fashion. They want it to be same. black and white. They want they it to do. be mathematics. And yeah. it's just, that's just not it. Right. That's not it. And that's no fun. Yeah. The, who wants to do the that? The differences right? are what makes it exciting. That's why we got so into this cool. industry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> So, and another thing I love about uh, you, Lynn, is I love how transparent you are. Um, you know, you, you get to where you are now. You know, you've had such a great career, and you're you're just such a legend at MyBor. You know, just just what you did, and you lift people up around you, and all these great things. Um, but you're you're so open about the people that inspired you, and the people that I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for this person and that person and that and that guy. If he wa if he wouldn't have walked into my office and told me I was having a bad year, I don't know what would have happened. Right. You know. So let's ask, what inspires you? What what uh to this day in in twenty twenty one, what's that thing on the radio or in the book or that person in your office or what what truly, what what makes you keep challenging yourself? Being that, for people. I mean, I think. That is the greatest compliment in the world to me is if someone one day looks back and says that person, Lynn Wheeler inspired me or helped me be more successful or, um, you know, made my day when I was having a bad day, um, saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. So that motivates me. So you always. hope that 10 years from now on episode 300 of Leave Your Shoes by the Door, I'm interviewing a realtor and she says... Well, to be honest with you, one day Lynn Wheeler walked into my office and told me I was having a bad year. Oh my God. And that was the I fire. hope I never say that to anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing though. It's funny to me because when you say like legend, that's not me. I just, I, I mess up all the dang time. I do stupid things. Any of your, my friends can tell you that. I mean, it, I, I think every person has their failures or their, um, you know, negatives or the things that make them not great or unlegendary. And I'm no exception. And that's the cool thing about what motivates and drives me and inspires me with these people is, yeah, it'd be really cool if one day I had these people look back and say, Lynn helped me and she made me feel better. And, you know, even if it's just as simple as sending them a note and making their day, that is going to make me feel so fulfilled. But what gets me inspired and what's even better is me having the ability to see their reaction to that and mm -hmm. see them grow from it, not me. It's about them, and I just love that. You like to help people realize their potential, mm -hmm. right? I say all the time in our leadership classes here, it's not about you, it's about who. Ooh. And it's who you can inspire, who you can help see the positive in themselves because this is a really hard business and a lot of people want to duck out really quickly and a lot of us it's just taken that one person to see that spark or something really great in us to let us pause and think about it of oh maybe I can do this because I'm good at that thing or I have this ability and mm -hmm. sometimes you just need somebody to point it out sure so that's what motivates me is trying to be that person for people well, so I don't know if you know this, but I, I majored in education as well. Yeah. And so I, I know all about the learn all that stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that that learning style class sure. and everything. Um, 
And I, and I was, I always think, uh, and you know, I think teaching is, is parallel to life. You know, I think it's just, it's almost like a microcosm of life is what's going on in the classroom. And, you know, and I'm sure you know this, sometimes that kid just needs to be called on. Mm -hmm. He's not raising his hand, but he has the answer. And that's your job as a leader to call on him and say, stand up and let's flex. Totally. Let's, let's hear what you have to say. And then they, they feel empowered. Oh, if right. you're calling on me, then you, you must see something in me. And then boom, and you see it, and you see that moment, that light turn on. Right. And it's like the best feeling in the world. It's the best. And if you get to know them intimately, you know how to call on them. Yeah. Of this is what makes you special, mm -hmm. and this is what you're going to say that nobody else is. I mean, that's, we have the coolest industry that there's so many people that are realtors in my board that are successful or great for different reasons. I mean, some of them, you'd look at them and say, there's no way in the world you're successful or they don't fit the mold of what a perfect realtor should be. But we're all different and you can be successful no matter what. It's amazing. Do you think everybody is capable of greatness in one way or another? Yeah, yeah. I do. They just have to see it within themselves mm -hmm. and they have to really hone in on what makes them confident and what makes them feel great, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I got to go back because uh, when we were talking about sales versus service and you said with sales, people can see right through it. They, they can sniff it out. They can feel it. And it's the biggest turnoff in the world, right? Mm -hmm. when, you, when, when you can see someone staring just kind of through you and if they're looking at you, they just see a big money sign, you right. know? Right. And it's just like the coldest, grossest feeling. And I, and I feel like the same thing is with art. Mm -hmm. When you try to be mathematical with art and you try to create a product that'll sell at a, at a high bidder, people can see that lack of genuine care. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is the same thing. I mean, as long as you're genuine in your efforts, that means something and that, in that people feel that totally, you know, even if you fail, the people around you see that they really, they really fought for that and they really invested in that. And mm -hmm. you didn't really fail because you learned so many things from that. Authenticity, but yeah. they see right through it. Um, so going back to, um, it's a business of relationships. Right, and I, I always say that with at new member orientation, and the reason I say that is because I've heard other realtors say it. I steal it from you guys, and it seems like you have doubled down on that. That is truly kind of it, it all starts with that is mm -hmm. is is having positive relationships and and a positive reputation and knowing that people can count on you and you can count on them. So could you just elaborate just a little bit more on the importance of relationships, not just in your office? outside of the office with the person at the grocery store, why that will pay off professionally. Oh my gosh, everything. I think it comes back to, I told you earlier, I'm kind of a closet introvert and walking into a big crowd of people just scares the death out of me. It's, it's overwhelming. It's, I'm that person who's going to the restroom every 10 minutes because mm -hmm. I just want to get away because mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. But uh, I think the same holds true in relationships in this business and your personal life out there in the community, whatever it is, if you can really make it small and make it more one-on-one -on -one and more intimate, that's when it becomes so much more beneficial, not only for you, but the person that you're with. So I do thrive off of relationships, but I thrive off of that intimacy and that personal um, connection with somebody. I love being able to really sit down and listen to somebody and ask them a bunch of questions. When I'm in a conversation with somebody, a lot of the time I'll focus on, tell me about you and tell me about, you know, your life and, 
it, when it comes back to me, I get a little uncomfortable sometimes because I think that that intimacy and that connection with somebody helps me love that relationship, but it also helps them because they may realize something, some reason they're great or um, some way that they should have their day brightened or whatever it might be. How is it different? And I know that this is two different stages in your career, but how is it different when you're trying to realize the potential and say like an agent compared to realizing the potential and, and doing that exercise with a client? How is it? How, how have you kind of changed or have you changed that your approach to those? I think it's similar for sure. I mean, authenticity is one of the biggest parts in that I see with leadership because I've seen some leaders who have had that and some who have not. And I feel like a, you need to have confidence in yourself when you're talking to an agent or you're talking to a client and trying to teach them or guide them. And that's something that I've really tried to stay on top of, even as I've, you know, gotten away from sales a little bit and gotten into more leadership, still being in the business, still doing business, still knowing the agents and the contractors and the players and how the market's working. I think that's so vital Yeah. because I'm more confident talking to an agent that I know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, the same is true with a client. If you're, if you're on top of your stuff, if you're educated, if you've gone out and actually done the work to know what you're talking about, you're going to feel more confident and you're going to do a better job. But at the same standpoint, um, with agents, with clients, with consumers, that confidence is one thing, but the authenticity is another. Right. If they can see you truly care, which comes through all day long in that service rather than sale, it's going to change the game. And they'll have more trust in you and that relationship will go places. So let me ask you something. When the client is looking at the realtor and you're, you're in neither, you're, you're just analyzing this, this relationship, do you think the realtor should come off as a professional who isn't capable of any sort of failure? Or do you think the realtor should come, and I'm talking about come off to the client, should the realtor come off as somebody who is, is hungry and is wanting to do the best job they can? They might not have all the knowledge, they might not have all the know-how, but you know that realtor is going to work day and night to give you the best service they can? Or like I said, the other side, that consummate professional and I've, you know, I, I've earned my stripes and we're going to get it done. What, what do you think is going to be the, the bigger sell to the, to the client? What do you to think me, gonna I'm going to mess up your whole question because I think it's the same thing, honestly. I feel like to be the consummate professional and to be really good at your job, you can never take for granted that you're too good to learn or you're too good for feedback. So I feel like you come across as a professional when you are very open and authentic about I could mess up and I could do something that's not going to be awesome or the most perfect. So that's why we're a team and you're going to share with me along the way if there's any way that I could get better or if I'm doing something that's not top of bar. Because if I can learn from you, then I'll get better and I can be better for everybody else that I serve. And I think that makes you look more professional yeah. Because it shows your heart and your care for making sure that this is the most perfect process for the people that you're working with, rather than just follow me, I've got this down, give me the commission check and I'm done. Yeah. You want it to be really great and that's going to help your business grow and it's going to help it be a better process for them. It's a journey, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. From that one, that initial meeting to a client, it's like 
you're at the first step of a journey. Some more bumpy than others. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, so just get, can you give me like a, an anecdote of just a, a bump in the road that at that time in your career you were not prepared for or just thought, holy cow, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Like oh this is a God. big one. I got to think about that. Um, I, I've had a couple situations with people... Um, I've had agents whose clients have died in the transaction. That's probably the scariest <laughs> thing cow. in the world. <laughs> yeah. Myself, personally, I mean, it's just stuff. The parents always seem to be the big blow-up factor. If a parent came into the transaction, oh, they would... not the homeowner, the homeowner's parents. Right, I yeah, you. and I it was, you. you know, daughter or son were so excited, ready for this house, super, you know motivated and ecstatic that we got whatever they wanted and then at the end mom and dad would come in and say i can't believe you paid this for that or a wrench in the you know there's that broken thermal seal it's going to break your whole house i can't believe you're moving forward so mm -hmm. the parents have always been really hard mm -hmm. uh but yeah there's been some crazy ones for my agents too of so let me ask you something then. Mm -hmm. um, so parents come in and the parents, when they bought a house, when they bought their first house or that, that real big, you know, that gamble that all chips in of buying your first home, do you think that they uh, sat across the table from a different type of realtor? Do you think the realtor has evolved? You know, do you think that the realtor of 40 years ago is similar, is the same type of realtor as the realtor of today? I think it's the, the nuts and bolts are the same. It's yeah. a relationship. You are helping people and guiding them and being that person. I think the consumer might think it's different because yeah. the realtor of 30, 40 years ago had all the information right. and you had to go to them in order to access that. Yeah. Now, I mean, the consumer looking in after these computer things, yeah. <laughs> they think, you know. I can't wait for that trend to die down. What's computers. the value? Yeah. Why is that person so important or necessary in this transaction? And, you know, I, I don't blame them. Probably a parent's looking at a younger realtor saying, you don't know anything. Exactly. I've bought four or five houses. I've been through the gamut. And everybody tends to do that in their life of saying, I've yeah. been through this. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And when you see that value switch where do they really have the information that you need to move forward in this transaction or can you get it by yourself? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, I mean, that's our job to really talk to the parents or talk to anybody in the transaction that's making a decision and really help them understand our value and why it's important that we're there to help them avoid the frostbite, right? I was or... just about to, I was about to say... <laughs> You can read all the books you want on right. climbing Everest, and you can watch documentaries, but when you're getting up that mountain, it gets really cold and food rations, you need your Sherpa. All day. You need the person who's been up and down that mountain a few you times. You do. Yeah. yeah. And it's not changed. That's the same as it's been for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. So do you do you like the idea of the, of the, the client being more empowered? Having more more control and more information, and you think that that's a, a good thing for our industry, or do you think that that's... Like an empowered client, you know, they're not an expert, but they think they are. Yeah. So does that, you know, does that mess things up? Or do you think the biggest picture, you think that's a good thing? It today? comes back to that learning styles. Everybody's different. Yeah. So some people, when they're empowered, are going to really thrive from that information. Other people, you give it to them and it just completely breaks them down. Yeah. 
and makes them crazy. Yeah, so awesome. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to really have that personal connection with that client to understand what's going to work best for them. Yeah. But I think so many people in this industry, I mean, I, I was one of them for a long time who really got scared and fearful of the client getting the information and you just have to pivot and you have to shift and you have to realize that exactly what we came back to with the Sherpa, the information is not what gives you value. Right. What gives you value is that servant heart and that person who's going to take your hand and walk you through the process as it is today. I yeah. mean, you are there to help them dodge bullets and really get the best process that they possibly can in today's market. It's yeah. not about the information. Uh, something Shelly uh, says at the beginning of new member orientation, you know, we have all these brand new realtors virtually in front of us. Uh, and she says emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really is, you, you can have black and white information and in, in the how-to and all that. But that, that middle ground, that undefinable area of emotional intelligence is really what keeps that that bond so important. It's everything. Yeah, you said it. Relationships in our business. Well, people are worried we're going to go away. We're not. And when I, that's there. When I had an old mentor teaching, he, he would say, uh, the students don't care what you know until they know that you care. So much. And I feel like with a realtor, in that first meet, if you can truly communicate to them, I'm not in it for the paycheck. I'm in this industry because I, I genuinely like to help people. No, I, you I, just said it five million times better than I did. That's really? perfect. <laughs> Honestly, it, yeah. it really is that. And people can see through it right from moment one. Yeah. That you just like when you them. see crappy art, you can see right through it. You know what <laughs> exactly I mean? Exactly like right. You're just doing this for a paycheck. Yeah. It stinks. Take it totally. down. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, so at this point, 16 years in, uh, I mean, your accomplishments with my alone are just so astounding. I mean, you have a, a leadership Summit named after you? I mean, how, how else do you know when you made it when something is named after you? That's incredible. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so at this point in your, in your stage in your career, how do you define success? What's next? What's, I mean, what's going to be your next challenge that, that just brings out that spirit in you? It's just that. It's, it's continuing to serve people and help them. Um, I'd like to think that having a leadership summit named after you or being successful in this business really doesn't mean anything unless you continue to inspire new groups of people and help them create change in the future. So honestly, I mean, it's a crazy time in our industry right now. There's a lot of change going on. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of evolution. And I just want to be along for the ride and help people feel their best and confident and successful on their own as we continue to move forward and honestly take a pause and keep looking at myself and those who I surround myself with of how can I get better and how can I learn more. Um, and those people are key to that to me mm -hmm. because they are the ones who are on the ground absolutely doing it every day. And if they can show me where they've been successful or seen value, then I can pivot myself to move that direction and do more of that thing. So just continue to inspire people and continue to challenge and involve. Well, and something that's so admirable admirable about what you're saying is you're not just talking about empower, empowering your, your clients in your office and empowering your peers, but you're also talking about empowering the client. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it would almost be easier if you didn't empower them, if you right. kind of kept them in the dark and just let you do your job. And don't worry about it, you just stay over there 
I got this from here. Mm-hmm. But you don't. You like to you like for them to feel good and, and confident and, and empowered. And that seems like it makes it more difficult, but I assume it's a lot more just spiritually rewarding. It's to do everything. That. Yeah. I think it's it's that authenticity. And I've seen leaders, I've seen realtors, I've seen people do that where it's just follow me, it's it's fine, don't ask questions. Right. We'll get you where to where you want to go. Yeah. But it doesn't teach anybody anything. And when they see the amount of work that you're pouring in, the amount of heart you're putting in, uh, and they see that process, everybody grows. So you believe end. in a, a pretty high level of just transparency with your client. I do. With the client. Yeah, yeah, I really do. I feel like if you know, it's kind of like going into surgery. If you know what's happening at every moment, you feel better about yeah. it overall. Yeah. And you feel more confident about what you've gone through. Yeah. So as the, as the decades have come and these computers, I guess, came along and then the internet followed and the, the curtain was lifted and the, the, the information age was upon us. Now we have tax records and, and Realtor.com and things like that where we can see specs and all these things. This is a good thing. This is a good thing for sure. our industry. Yeah, yeah, I think so for sure, depending on how you use it. Yeah. I mean, you've got to use it to build those relationships mm-hmm. and use it to make yourself more educated and professional and if you use it in the right way it's a huge benefit to everybody so let me ask you a question there are two different types of people in this world you go to the racer at king's island and you either ride the one that goes forward or the one that goes backward yeah which one is lynn wheeler getting in i was always forward yeah yeah i I don't know i want to look at where i'm going not just (laughs) constantly be looking behind me going what's going on i don't understand and now you have no choice. Everybody has to be forward. No way. Because they switched it. Oh. Yeah. It's a pretty sad day when the yeah. racer doesn't race. But I, I bet sometimes being a realtor feels like you're going backwards on the racer. All not day knowing, long. Not yes. knowing when the next big turn is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Crap, I didn't see that bump coming. Yeah, definitely. All the time. All right. Lynn Wheeler, thanks for being on here today. 